0: shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts i will declare thy grits. they shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness the lord is gracious and full of compassion slow to anger and of great mercy the lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works all thy works shall praise thee o lord and thy saints shall bless thee They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom, and talk of thy power, to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts, and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and riseth up all those that bow down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He shall fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here this morning to worship the great God of heaven. We pray, O Lord, that you will bless us and help us and encourage us and do us good for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. A little amen from Eliza. Sing 17, first hymn of worship and praise, number 17. My God, how wonderful thou art, thy majesty, how bright, how beautiful thy mercy seat in depths of burning light. Number 17. Let's bow our heads in prayer together. Our gracious God, as we come before thee again on this bright Sunday morning, we thank thee that at Him sums up much of what we would want to say. How wonderful thou art, how gracious and good thou art. Lord, we pray that uh, we may arise above our circumstances and our difficulties and our trials and sorrows and griefs and worship the great God of heaven. In whose hands are all things, from eternity to eternity? All things are in your hands. You declare the end from the beginning. There's nothing, nothing but nothing passes your uh, uh, fails to pass your attention, as it were, of which you do know you know nothing. You know everything about everybody, every single second of every single day. Lord God, you know us. You know the week uh, uh, through which you've just come. The week which will be for us, before us in your will, you know all things. You are a great God. As the one of the psalmist says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Who can find out the ways of God? His wisdom, his excellency, his majesty, his sovereignty, his holiness and righteousness and goodness, his mercy's love are beyond us. We we're left to ourselves, we're not capable of seeing, understanding, believing these things. We thank you, O Lord, that we've come this morning with some sense of, of who and what you are. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show this handiwork, day unto day unto speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. We thank you for this great creation, which surely tells us there's a great creator behind all these things. It didn't just happen, it just fall into place by some evolutionary progress over billions of years. The Lord God made them all, and we acknowledge that. But we thank you There's something special we become to a place of worship like this, to a place where the Bible is read and proclaimed, because therein is God revealed. We can see and know and learn much of yourself from creation, but it's limited. As we come to the scriptures, we we have revealed the very character of God, the very nature of God, and particularly and especially in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come to worship this God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triune God, triune Jehovah, God of the covenant. We worship thee. So we come this morning, and we thank you for your mercies and your blessings, for your providences. We confess, O Lord, we find it difficult sometimes to understand what's happening and what's going on, but we do trust you. Our times are in your hands, and Lord, we wish them there. We wouldn't have it otherwise. We wouldn't be left to ourselves. We know whom we have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which we've committed unto him against that day. We know that he who has begun a good work in us will perform it. We'll continue it until the day of Christ. We know that all things work together for good. That them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. We know that you know. Hallelujah. So we come this morning and we commit ourselves to thee. We commit our service to thee. We pray that those present and those who are watching, listening by uh, digital means may be helped and blessed and encouraged. Lord, do us good. Wherever we are, whatever we are, we need to know more of the goodness of God in our hearts and our lives. We need to know some of his tender mercies. We need to know some of his compassion. Lord, be with your people here this morning. Do us good. Where else can we go? Who else cares? There are folk in your common grace who who wish us well and, and so forth. But there's nobody like our God. There's nobody like the Lord Jesus. There's nobody like the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. So we cast ourselves upon you. We're encouraged so to do, to cast your care and your anxiety upon God because he cares for you. We're encouraged to cast our burden upon the Lord for he will sustain us. Lord, you have encouraged us so to do, and therefore we, so we do do. We come and we cast ourselves and we cry unto thee. I say, oh Lord, be gracious to us. Help us at this time. We, we thank you for, uh, for so many scriptures that encourage us in such a time as this. We thank the Apostle Paul and, and this uh, thought of the flesh that he has, and he prays and Three times, and and yet he's not delivered, and he's concerned, and and so forth. And yet, uh, you reveal to him that your grace is sufficient for him. Once realizing that, he praises you. In my weakness, I will be strong. My weakness is my strength. Because it causes me to call upon the God, Lord God. Because it causes me to rest and trust in him. Because it causes me to commit my way to him who will lead me. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Oh, Lord, we pray then. Bless us. Help us. Encourage us. Be with those who have particular concerns at this time. Particular Lord, you know us. You know us. You know our names and our addresses. You know us. Be near to us, we pray. We pray for the gospel as it goes forth in this place and similar places in Hailsham and District. Oh, Lord, we cry unto thee for the success of the gospel. We long to see fulfillment of the precious promise of the Lord Jesus where he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We long for a day when thou wilt call thine elect in from the four corners of the earth. We long for a day when the Lord Jesus will be exalted in our midst and in our land. We lament that sin seems to be so dominant and prevalent in our land and in the world, expressing so many horrendous things that are happening. Think of Ukraine at at this time. Lord, have mercy there. Have mercy particularly upon your people who there are suffering and others who as yet are not your people. In your common grace, Lord, have mercy upon them. So we come to thee. We ask that you just bless us and help us now, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Our next hymn is two hundred and six. Two hundred and six. Glory, glory, everlasting be to him who bore the cross who redeemed our souls by tasting death the death deserved by us spread his glory spread spread his glory who redeemed his people thus 206 I'd like to turn to the book of Lamentations, the book of Lamentations and chapter 3, and I'm going to read to verse 26, to so Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 1 to 26, as I'm sure you know, this was written by Jeremiah. I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness and not into light. Surely against me is he turned, he turned his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old, he hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and Encompassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in a dark place, as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. And when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways and hewn with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear, lying in wait, as a lion in uh, secret places. He hath turned uh, inside my ways, aside my ways, and uh, pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow, and and, uh, met me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people and a song on my day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. Thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forget prosperity and I said my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord remembering mine affliction and my misery the wormwood and the gall my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me this I recall to my mind Therefore, have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. We trust the Lord will bless his word to our hearts this morning. Our next hymn is 654, a particular favourite of ours, Uh, loved with everlasting love, Led by grace that love to know, Spirit breathing from above, thou hast taught me to sow. O oh, this full and perfect peace, O oh, this transport all divine, in a love which cannot cease, I am his. And he is mine. Six, five, four. pray a moment. Gracious Father, as we come to your word, we praise you for it. You've not left us to ourselves. You've given us the whole Bible. And we believe that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable uh, for the man, the woman of God, who thoroughly finished and to good works. Reveal, Lord, your will, your mind to us this day from your word, by the Spirit, for Jesus' sake. Over recent months I've been reading through in the morning Jeremiah if you're familiar with Jeremiah it's a difficult book because of the difficult circumstances in which he ministered Uh, we'll come to that in a little while and then I moved on from Jeremiah to Lamentations And perhaps two weeks, perhaps three weeks ago I read verse one I am the man that hath seen affliction I thought bow Wow. I thought well I know a little of that as some of you and most of us I guess sometime in our lives to a lesser or greater extent. I am the man that seen affliction and knowing that I was going to preach here, I thought um, we might do something on affliction and the biblical reasons why God allows us to be afflicted and I had several little headings. And then, this week comes along, and I thought, you know, that might be appropriate at another time, but really, I want to go from that verse to verse 23. And because of the context of that verse and the following verses, and if you paid attention as I was reading it, it seems to get worse and worse and worse. He says, I'm a man who's seen affliction. And he talks about God's wrath and the way he feels God has dealt with him and and all these horrible, terrible things. And you think, "Is, is, is there going to be any end to this? This poor man, he's known as the weeping prophet. Is there going to be any end to this? All these things. And then suddenly, suddenly, you come to verse 21 and he says, this I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because his compassions, they fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You feel it, saying, hallelujah. There's an end to this. There's an end to it. Was it uh, Simon last week uh, from Psalm 73 and the terrible things he's going through uh, and he's seen people outside there and they seem to be well and fit and prosperous and everything's going for them. And here we are, we're the Lord's people, we're the Lord's elect, we are are the people of God and yet we seem to have such a tough time in comparison to what they are doing and they're enjoying. So he turns aside into the sanctuary then i consider their end. Their end. What will be the end of them outside as compared to the end of us here? Their end will not be glorious, but our end will be magnificently glorious. Hallelujah. So I thought, bending in mind the context and the context through which some of us are going through at the moment, we would concentrate on god's faithfulness that's the background if you know the background then it becomes more precious to you to know and understand a little of this verse so i've got three very simple and usually for me i don't i'm not into alliteration but uh, they begin with c and i think they naturally come out of the text the verses therein So, the first thing I want to tell you about God's faithfulness is, and one of the reasons why it is great faithfulness, is because it's covenant faithfulness. We all, particularly in Gordon Road, understand the word covenant, God's agreement with his people. We talk about the eternal covenant that God made before creation. We talk about the covenant of grace that God made with his son, that he would choose a people, the son would come and die for a people, the Holy Spirit would, uh, would regenerate that people and bring them to faith, uh, and so forth. We, we, we're understanding, that we have an understanding of the covenant, promises of God, the arrangement the, uh, the, that God has made, the contract, if you like, that God has made. And God has made with his people. I want to tell you that God's faith in us is great because it's covenant Faithfulness. Now, having said that, immediately those who think a little bit and know the scriptures say, Well, but haven't you immediately got a problem? Because you tell, you're telling us, you're telling me that God is faithful in his covenant. And he makes a covenant, he makes an agreement, and he's faithful to keep that agreement and keep that covenant, whatever. Now, you're telling me that, but. The context is telling me something completely opposite. Because the context, you're telling me of of a prophet who is prophesying at a time when God's people are either in or going into exile. God is kicking them out of the land. So how can you tell me that God is faithful in his covenant promises to this people when uh, everything is going wrong? Completely wrong. The worst thing has happened, they've been pushed out of the land. Well, the answer very simply is because we fail to understand what we mean by God's covenant. And you need to go right back to Leviticus and Deuteronomy to understand the basis of the contract God made, the covenant God made with his people. Now, we talk about some things that are unconditional. We at Gordon Road believe in unconditional election, for example. It's not based on what we are, who we are, solely upon God's sovereign choice. But God made a covenant with Israel that he would bring them out of the land and bring them in, as Egypt, and bring them into the promised land. But then God laid down within that covenant certain stipulations, certain conditions. So, uh, for example, God said, now listen, when you go into the land I've given you, you follow me and my commandments and my precepts and my statutes. You do not go after other gods. You do not obey them. You don't become like the pagans who are there, the Philistines and the Jebusites and all the rest of it. You don't behave like them. You don't forsake me. And I will bless you. I will bless you at home. I will bless you in the field. I will bless you with your enemies. I will bless you with the weather. I will bless you in, with so much blessing. But it's conditional upon your behavior. Follow me, walk in my ways, I will bless you. If you like, there's a covenant of blessing. But then, in the same chapters, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it says, but if you forsake me, if you must, shake, must, must forsake my ways, if you do not walk in my covenant, if you go after other gods, then I will deal with you severely. I will curse you at home. I will curse you in your fields. I will curse you in your land. I will curse your enemies, and ultimately, I will bring you out of the. I will put you out of the land to which I am going to bring you in. Wow. And it's a strange thing, but you, if you read and compare the list of the blessings, shortish, and the cursings, longish, you think, why has God taken so much time to tell us all these terrible things? And the reason is because he knows the heart of man. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, says the hymnist. And that was in these people. And they're barely into the land. And they start following after other gods. And perhaps we don't realize it sometimes. What an insult it was to the Lord God, the only God, to have his people going after other gods and making idols and bowing down to them and sacrificing to them. It was such an insult to them. And that's why we have this phrase often, you shall not bow to and down to other gods throughout the Old Testament. It's so important. God is insulted by the behavior of his people. Now, so that's the covenant of blessings. So God is faithful in his covenant, and when these things happen, it's actually an evidence of his faithfulness to the things he has already said to his people. See, we think of God's faithfulness must be that God blesses us all the time, every time, irrespective of what we do or think of. Um. And God says, no, that doesn't work like that. I will bless you if you walk in my ways. But if you do not walk in my ways, then I will deal with you. Even if you're my child, even if you're my people, I will deal with you. And sometimes God deals with us severely. Now I have to be careful. I realize I have to be careful. And I'll give a little a ride in a moment if you like. But I have to be careful because I know that God deals with us in various ways for various reasons. That's why when I thought about preaching on affliction, I was going to go through the levels, what I call the levels of affliction. Because they're different. The reasons for affliction are different. And it's the last thing I want to say this morning, or imply this morning, that if you're going through a time of affliction, then God is smacking you. I'm not saying that. Because there are various reasons why God allows us to go through affliction. And they're not all God smacking us. In fact, sometimes God puts us through affliction because he loves us so much. You think that's contradictory. It's not contradictory. Let me just read you some verses in Hebrews 12. It's not a subject that's often preached on. Perhaps because we don't like it. It talks about God chastening his people. So... From verse 5, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Listen to this for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for which son is he whom a father does chasten not? If you are without chastisement, uh, whereof all are partakers, you are bastards. You are illegitimate, and not sons. But fathers correct us according the flesh. For their own good, for their own pleasure, but God, God, he chastises us, that we might for profit our profit, that we might partakers of his holiness, for no chastening for the present times to be joyous, but grievous afterwards it receives the peaceable fruit of righteousness, etc. So God sometimes chastens us for our good. There's nothing worse than a spoiled child, you know that. I remember seeing a woman on television and she said she never corrects her child, she never disciplines her child because she loves the child too much. I thought, what a load of nonsense. What she's saying is she loves herself too much and she couldn't stand the child and say, I hate you, mother, as children do. She couldn't bear the rebuke from a child because she wouldn't give her the toffees or sweets or whatever she wanted to do. A wise parent, because of the love they have for the child, will them, but you see that 's not the only reason there 's a reason where by God wants to bring the best out of us, and so He puts us through the, the crucible of suffering, for example uh, it 's not that we, we are bad people, but he wants to up the level, and so he puts us through a crucible, and he, cre- he takes off the froth so the silver is more pure, the gold is more pure two Corinthians twelve Paul. It's not that he's a wicked man. And God says, I'm going to slap him with this thorn with this, 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 uh, of flesh. No. God, Paul says, in case I was exalted above measure. In case, not that he really was, in case I think, you, do you know, I'm a supersonic apostle here. I've been, I've been in heaven all the seventh heaven. I've seen wonderful things. It's not, I can't talk about wonderful things. You know, you know I'm great. Wow, you, you come and hear me and pay for it. God says, mm, that's never going to happen. Because I'm going to allow something in your life that's going to cause you a problem. May have been eyesight. That's my little, little theory. I can't prove it, but that's my little theory. And Paul realizes this is God's doing. And she says, okay, I'd rather have this thorn in the flesh than be exalted in my own sight, be puffed up, and be proud. And then the other little thing, Job. We love Job, don't we? Job was not a sinful man. In fact, he was a man of integrity and godliness and trust. And when Satan comes and they have this chat, you know, in Job, uh, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? Yeah, yeah, says Satan. Yeah, he's good and he's godly and all the rest of it. And, yeah, and he, he trusts in you and loves you, Yeah. But he only does it because of what he gets out of you. You've blessed him so much materially and, and so forth. You t- take all that away, he won't love you and trust you. He'll be just like everybody else. Hmm? So says, okay, I'll give him into your hand, but don't touch his life. And then terrible things happen to Job. His family and his goods and everything's gone. What does he do? Oh, where's this God I trusted him? Oh, you can't believe it God. You can't trust this God. Oh, and, no. Yeah, this is what he says. The Lord has given, and the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. It's amazing. Amazing. Now, John, Jonah, uh, Jonah. <laughs> what's his name? Um, Job, D- Didn't understand what was going on. He didn't know about the conversation behind the scenes. He didn't know what what was going on in heaven. All he knew was happening. But he knew that God was God. And God was faithful. And he could trust God. Even if he slays me when things get worse. Even if he slays me. I will trust him. I will trust him. I can trust him. I should trust him. So. When I talk about. Affliction, in this context, I'm not interpreting your affliction, and I wouldn't want you to interpret my affliction. I'm just saying that God knows. That God is great and is faithless because it's covenant faithless, and he deals with as a covenant God in the good times and the not so good times. God does not change. In the good days, God is great. In the bad days, God is still great. We must, must believe that. Otherwise, we're going to fall apart. Otherwise, we're going to fall apart. God's faithfulness is covenant faithfulness. Let's move on. The next thing I want to say is that God's faithfulness is a compassionate faithfulness. of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not now somebody may make a contract with you enter into a covenant and there's no feelings involved it's just a purely um, financial or other contractual connection right God does not say okay this is the covenant This is the agreement, this is what we will make, I will make with you, and this is what I expect of you, and you can expect of me, me if you like, and and it's all factual, and, and that's all. This verse tells me of a God who is not only great in his faithfulness because of his covenant, but he's great in his faithfulness because of his compassion. God loves his people with an everlasting love. Now, again, a little word of caution. We have to be careful in attributing human qualities and human emotions to God. I listen to some dear folk, and I know where, where they're coming from, as they say, but sometimes I think that they almost go too far. So God's having a broken heart and, and things. I think you might be going a bit too far there. Now, I know that in the Bible there are lots of things that talk about God in a human sense. It talks about God's hearing and, and speaking and, and all, God's hand and all these things. The posh word is anthropomorphisms. The last will say it twice. It's attributing to God human faculties. God is spirit. They that worship him must worship him spiritually. God is not a man. In fact, you have a little problem there, don't you? Particularly uh, with our AV. AV says, God is not a man that he should repent. And another verse says, and God repented him of this, that, the other. Think, oh, that's a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. It's God is using human language to convey a certain situation. God cannot repent uh, because repentance we think of as being repentance for sin. God cannot repent of sin because he does not sin and so some modern more versions would put God relented but even with that verse you've got if word, you've got a problem because the implication is that God somehow has changed his mind God looks at the state of situation in, in Noah's day and it grieved him at his heart and it repented him and he made man you get the impression that God has said I didn't think this would work out like this well I didn't see this coming these people are dreadful I wish I'd never made them in the first place God does not change. And you Puritans, you put it like this God cannot change his will, but he can will a change. There's a difference there. So all things are known to God, obviously, from the end to the beginning. He knows everything. God is never surprised, God is never shocked. But sometimes there are situations which to to make us see how dreadful a a, a position is, a situation is, uh, whatever's going on, to make it come out alive to us as it were. The author, Moses or others, under inspiration of the Spirit, gives us this human picture of a God who is grieved and angry and so on. Stephen last week helpfully took us to Isaiah and God's pleading with his people and, and said, how can I give you up I, I, I love you so much and, 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 and so on although you've gone astray I want you to come back I want to love you and want you to love me again and all this is human language but it's real language that God's given us to understand what he is like he is not indifferent we put it in negative terms in all their affliction, he was afflicted. You have those verses in Exodus where God says to I know their sorrows. And it's not the sense of, I know it because I've seen it. Oh, I may, I'll make a note of that. Okay, today such and such happened. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry of that. But there's almost a God being involved in that. Now, this is difficult, and I appreciate that. But God's knowledge is not just academic or theoretical. God's Knowledge of us and our sorrows is personal. It's almost as God is there in the situation, if we could but see it. God is compassionate, full of compassion. We read that in Psalm 145. God is full of compassion. Now, one thing I love about the Lord Jesus is that the compassion there is real and actual. God's compassion, in a sense, because he is God, he he cannot feel emotion in that sense. But the Lord Jesus, God in the flesh, could feel compassion. I'm reading, uh, I've just finished a a chapter in a book, Um, it's called Forgotten Christ, talking about the humanity of Christ, and our friend Dr. Um, Philip Eveson, He's got a chapter on the, the psychological life of the Lord Jesus and about the emotional life of the Lord Jesus. It's Amazing. Jesus felt compassion. Uh, the famous incident I quote off to you is that he's with his disciples. They go up the road. They're having a great time. You know, there is is with the 12 and the, a and oh, wonderful, great crowd. And they come to a crossroads. How significant is that? A crossroads. And coming up the other way, there's another crowd. But they're not shouting, rejoicing. In fact, they're wailing and they're crying. And the cause of it is there at the front, a, a brea, a brea, a coffin equivalent of being carried in the front by some men. And behind us, a little woman, probably dressed in black or whatever they had in those days. She's a widow. She's been through this previously when her husband died. But she had a boy. Oh, she had a boy. A son. He looked after me. He for me. My boy. I got a boy. Boys and their mums, lovely. And her uh, son's dead. And she's there and she's weeping and she's crying. And, and the two crowds meet. And Jesus sees it. And the Bible says, and he felt compassion. Oh, did he ever? He's a boy who's got a mother. He has compassion for this woman. And you know the story. He goes uh, to the coffin and and he speaks and and, and the boy rises to life. uh, Wonderful. Can I pause a minute? Please take this as it's coming from me in the situation I'm in. You know, I, I prayed this morning that the Lord would bring somebody to life spiritually through Bev's death. Do you understand that? There will be people who will know, people who come to the funeral, people who we've talked to, who the Lord will be pleased to quicken to spiritual life. And they'll come to faith. Wouldn't that be great? If you're going to pray for us, and I'm sure you do, and for the funeral, whenever, pray that prayer. Lord, please raise somebody to spiritual life through this day and bring glory to you. And Babe would rejoice. I know. And pause. We need to finish. So, the compassion of the Lord Jesus is real. When he's in the garden, he's not going through the motions. I've got this appointment in a couple of days, it's not going to be nice um, Father do you think we could postpone it or put it off or do something with it you know, I know it's your will and I was there when the agreement was made in eternity past and, uh, but you know I'm thinking about it now it's going to be a bit rough and I don't know he pleads with God he cries to his family, Father please let this cup pass from me word in in Hebrews, uh, he talks about a strong crying with tears, he's pleading it's real pleading it's real tears Because he does not want to go through this of bearing our sin and the wrath of God on our behalf as our substitute for his people. He doesn't go through that. But he knows it's the only way whereby they may be saved. And so he's praying, take it from me if you can. But if you can't, I will do it. I will go through it. And he's weeping. And it's real. God's faithfulness is great because there's compassion in it. Hallelujah. And then finally, God's faithfulness is great because it's continuous. I did think about using the word consistent, but in a sense that's tautology. Faithfulness and consistence are almost the same thing, aren't they? You can't be consistent and not be faithful. You can't be faithful and not be consistent. Anyway, but I'm going to use the word Continuous. God's faithfulness, it continues. It never, ever stops. How great is that? There are people who are faithful. We have relatives. We have friends. We have neighbors. And you can depend upon them. But then something happens. Perhaps outside of their, uh, their control. Outside of their control. They can't help it. Uh, They promise to meet you, uh, but they can't get to the meeting because something's happened. The car's broken down, or they've had an injury, or they've had an accident, or they're not well, or something else has come up, and they just can't fulfill that promise they made to do what they said they would do. We've all done that, and we uh, have been subject to it, I'm sure. This never, ever happens with God. He never says, I've got a day off tomorrow. Don't bother me. I'm too busy with other things. Thank God there's a continuance. Every single day, God's faithfulness is great. It's never less. It's never more because it never needs to be more. It's total. It's complete. Hallelujah for that. We don't normally raise our hands in Gordon Road, you know. But sometimes I think, yeah. Hallelujah! This is great. This is great. God has back to the covenant. God has pledged Himself to His people to be faithful. There may be times when God says, well, i have going to deal with you," but you, but His faithfulness will never stop. Was it when the prophet, the prop, prophets I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore your son the Duke of no concealment. Hebrews thirteen eight, little verse sneaks in there. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Praise his name. Sometimes I think about the Saviour. He doesn't have more. Doesn't have mood. She's not like us. Sometimes in our family, our daughters would go to their mother to ask for something, and uh, they would say, Ask your father, but not today. He's having a bad day today. Wait till tomorrow. The Lord Jesus is never moody, He's always consistent and conscious. Consistent and constant and continuous and everlasting priesthood. Uh, Gary started Hebrews and eventually in ten years' time, I'm sure, we'll come to these passages that deal with the priesthood of the Old Testament. There were lots of priests in the Old Testament. And do you know why there were lots of priests in the Old Testament? They kept dying. So there's a priest and he does his bit, five years, ten years, and he died. And then another one comes, on, and, and then he died. The Lord Jesus has an everlasting priesthood because he has died and risen again to die no more. And so he's now in in glory in heaven, interceding on behalf of his people, and he will never, ever stop till they're all there in glory with him. He never, ever stops. intercedes on our behalf before his Father's throne. Jeremiah said, I'm a man of the scene affliction. Thank God he was also a man who had seen the greatness of the faithfulness of God. As I close, dear ones, take this to heart. And if there may be some here this morning or watching us on the live stream, if you know nothing of this or once you knew it, and you no longer know it, I urge you to seek God, to return to the Lord, and call upon him for mercy. However unfaithful you may have been, he's never changed. In all the years, he's never changed. He's still the same. Great is his faithfulness. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you for the reality of these words started off, I'm a man who've seen affliction and almost every one of us have been there, are there will be there I've seen affliction and we understand that a little but oh we thank you that a few verses further on great is thy faithfulness bring us to that position this morning and keep it Keep us in that position tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the week, and next week, and, mouth, and next month, next year. As you tarry, and we might rejoice and praise God, because indeed, great is Thy faithfulness. Amen. Now, obviously, there is only one song we can sing to finish. Um, you might not believe this, but I as a young lad, a young Christian lad, he to go around singing this as a solo. I'm not going to do it this morning, um, but we'll sing it together. Great is thy faithfulness, is 86. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee, thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not, as thou hast been so forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, not wanted necessarily, but all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And the holy spirit rest and remain with god's people here and everywhere until we meet again and then forevermore